If you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to uh, the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, that's in the New Testament. Excuse me, in the Old Testament. <laughs> See, I've studied for this one, huh? So. By the way, I do have to say something about this. I checked this bulletin over last night about 1 o'clock. And for some reason, I missed this. I, we are still Calvary Bible Church. <laughs> I got a call when I was coming over the bridge this morning. I was coming in early to, to study a little bit, and it was Joan. And she said, I have some, um, I have some uh, mistakes that you need to correct in the bulletin. I said, Joan... I finished that bulletin last night and printed it. She said, oh, they're just minor. <laughs> so thank you, honey, for not putting that on me. <laughs> Samuel, chapter 1. What an interesting uh, book this is, and one that has so much to teach us, and one that I think that today, especially on Mother's Day, when we are thinking about a mother's heart and uh, the blessings of children and family, why uh, it, it does us well to look at this woman. I don't think I've ever preached on Hannah before, um, but this is the lady's name is Hannah, and uh, she was a lady who was married to a man of the priestly line. I don't think he was uh, practicing in, in, uh, in the, as a Levite, but he was in the line of um, Aaron, and uh, so his son that we will meet through the scriptures today, Samuel, became the, the very last of the judges. And he introduced the new king, the throne, that would be actually to this day in reality, because even as Jesus comes, so is the coming throne of David once again. And uh, I praise the Lord for this portion of scripture. I, um, I would uh, like to say I'm going to read everything, but I'm going to skip, just look if you would at the first two verses, if you would for me of the first. And it, uh, it starts with, now there was a certain man, and then I'm not going to try to to pronounce those things, but he was, uh, they usually call it Rama. But that's the full name there of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah. That's how you would say it in the Hebrew, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, and on and on and on. And then in the second, it says he had two wives. Now, I want you to understand, God never authorized anything but a man and a wife through life. But in man's rebellion, he took other wives. In this case, it was a man who uh, married a, a, the woman of his dreams. He truly loved Hannah, and yet she was barren. And he took another wife, and uh, she was probably a younger wife. And you know what that meant coming into that home, how sweet that home would be. And uh, she had many, many children, sons and daughters. 
And she used that to injure Hannah often. She would just let it be known that Hannah could not have children, but God had blessed her and blessed her husband through the many children that, uh, that uh, Peninnah had. And uh, so we'll begin with the third. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons Eli, of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Now, just, just a little background there. Men were required to be in the temple and to, be, uh, to come and pay sacrifices and, and give gifts. They did this so they would remember who they were, their great heritage. And uh, sometimes family would, would go. And uh, this is what the setting is. He takes his family to Shiloh, to the temple, where he is going to make offerings on behalf of God's blessing in his life. And he takes his family, his wives. And when the time was that uh, Elkanah offered, he gave Phineas his uh, to uh, uh, Peniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. In other words, this was an abundant portion that he gave for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Now I want you to understand God is sovereign. The word of God says the Lord had shut up her wound. He had a plan, you see. It looked tragic to a lady like Hannah, but in reality, there was great blessing that was coming not only to this woman, but to the nation of Israel. And in the very plan of God, he designed this. Sometimes we say, could God, our sovereign God, be responsible for this thing in my life? I truly believe that everything that comes into my life comes through the hand of God. He is sovereign Lord. He has a purpose in it all. And the marvelous thing is he can take what seems to be tragedy and wasted time and wasted years and agony of spirit and anguish and create his beauty and his plan. And so as we look at this, we have to think, be thinking in terms of God has a marvelous plan for his children. And her adversary, that is uh, uh, Peninnah, the other wife, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up, to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Now that is a loaded question that you... And what kind of sense does a man have to say something like that? 
But you know what? All of us men say things just like that. But we see this whole thing. He loved her. He saw her tremendous anguish. And he tried to help her. And he says this. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. That means anguish in her spirit. Bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of, mine hand, of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord, or I will dedicate him, I will devote him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now she's talking about the Nazarite vow. And some people in their desire to serve the Lord would, would set aside a, an allotted time when they would uh, be careful of what they ate, be careful of cutting their hair or shaving their beard or many, many things. And it was a Nazarite vow they would take. It was a religious thing. And yet here she was devoting her unborn son, her son of her dreams, her son of her great hopes, and saying, Lord... He shall be devoted to you. Not just for a certain amount of time, for his entire life. Little did she understand that God had a great plan for this son which would come into their home. Great and mighty plan of God using that boy to serve him. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, remember the priest, the high priest was sitting there and watching and he marked her mouth. In other words, he watched her lips. They were moving and she was making some probably some horrible faces and expressions and yet her lips were moving. Now, Hannah, she spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, verse 13 says, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. And that just uh, is simply talking about uh, uh, some kind of a wicked, loose woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way. Listen, she did eat, and her countenance was sad no more. You see, there had been a response. Something went on in the heart and the life of this woman. And that's what I want us to see. You know, as we read on, we'll see 
the birth. In fact, they go home, they, the husband and wife have relationships, and God blesses those relationships. And, uh, uh, and verse 20 says, Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. That really was the meaning of his name. So as we, as we look at this, by the way, I've put on the back of your bulletin uh, a little outline for my message today. And uh, if you would like to, I'll give you those words that are missing in there. I really would like you to take time sometime this week and go through the scripture and begin there and go through that wonderful song of victory and triumph that Hannah gives, presents to the Lord. Because in some ways it is a prophetic and we see it again uh, in Mary, the mother of the Lord. And uh, so, uh, if you have a pen, why you may want to uh, add as we go through some of these thoughts. Samuel um, is, uh, is quite a, a book. Samuel is quite a man, marvelous man, a hero of the faith. If you're looking for heroes today, study Samuel. See how this man yielded himself to the Lord and for his entire life, he came to the temple about three or four years old. And from that time, he served in the temple, and he served Almighty God. And God created in his heart a desire to serve him in such a way he became a mouthpiece for God. He was a prophet, but he also was the very last of the judges. They had that authority in all of Israel. The last. Because after all, it was Samuel who anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel. And it was Samuel who anointed David to be the king, the next king of Israel. So this man had a, an illustrious, um, tremendous history in the nation of Israel and has so much to say to us today. But I want to focus on his mother basically today. And uh, we see this is a very unhappy family, uh, and I would say attributed a lot to the unfaithfulness of this man who was to be a man of God who was not obedient to the word of God. And he had two wives and uh, numerous children, but Hannah had none. And remember, it was the Lord who had shut up her womb, unable to conceive. And so we, we look at the scriptures and we look at uh, the progress that uh, we see in this portion of scripture. And I want to look at some of those earlier verses a little bit. And uh, by the way, Hannah's name means grace. Isn't that interesting? Even before Hannah was born, she was named Grace. Why? I believe because she revealed how God in his grace meets human needs. And uh, I believe that we could say her life becomes a real model of God's grace. Um, you know, in, in Hannah's day, it was considered to be a terrible, uh, awful disgrace 
for a woman to be childless. And uh, what happened was that um, people, the culture of the society of that day, uh, uh, did consider it to be a disgrace uh, to be childless. And uh, it was, uh, in fact, interpreted all over the world, or at large, as a sign of God's disfavor upon a person or a family. And uh, that is a, that's a rough thing. And it's a difficult thing to handle in your adult life. And so this woman, whose name was Grace, learned God's grace in reality in her life. And she, she came up in this life, got married to this man, thought she was going to have a family like most Israeli women would think and live for. And then she was childless. And so there was great disappointment. So as we come into this portion of scripture, we see that uh, as the Lord had closed her womb, the Lord it was who had deliberately prevented Hannah from bearing children. And I remember, if, if you remember in the scriptures, a woman by the name of Sarah and Rachel. God's blessing in their lives, along with the life of Hannah, three marvelous women of the Bible whom God blessed in some wonderful ways. But all I say is this, we see our Lord as being sovereign over every event in our lives, even those things that we might ascribe as, uh, or to natural causes. You know, we always want to say, nature did it. And yet we as believers are to have this very attitude that God gives me a path. He gives me life. He meets me where I am and he withholds or he blesses in different ways. Sometimes his withholding is much more a blessing than his pouring out in abundance. But what I want us to see is that Hannah turns to the Lord and uh, it says there, it was during that time when they had traveled up to uh, worship in the temple and to give offerings. And so verse 7 says that um, they were there and Hannah had been provoked by uh, uh, the other wife. And, uh, verse, and so she provoked her and therefore Hannah wept bitterly. Such a sadness in her life. And then it says in verse 8 that she turns to the Lord. And she goes to the Lord. And this is something I think is very important for us. On the back of your bulletin, you see number 1, verse 10. In her distress, Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord. Hannah did what was right. She did what was right. She went to the Lord. In her distress, she pours out her heart to the Lord. The Lord desires, folks, he desires that we be willing to pour out our hearts to him. Even when we're filled with sorrow or with grief or wondering how in the world nature has put us in such a position. 
but Hannah did what was right before the Lord. And uh, um, God expects of us nothing less. Here Hannah was in this bitterness of soul, and, and her sorrow was so great that I'm sure that she looked upon her back and felt like there was a huge burden placed upon her all of her life. And I, I, I think it's admirable to see this, that she did not make a public display of her sorrow. She did not rant and rave publicly, but she poured out her heart to the Lord. If you look at verse 16... You see something more here, and it says, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. It's out of all the agony within me, and I pour it out on my God. When was the last time you took your anxiety and your difficulties of life, and your, your angst, and you poured it out in honesty and deliberately before Almighty God, as if he would have a part to play in our lives. We see that God uh, sees our lives and he knows all about us and so it's just like her she in her distress she did what God intends all of us to do she poured out her heart to him that means you have to believe that you can come before almighty God your heart has to be in such a position where you can pour it out to him We live in a society that absolutely turns its back on Almighty God. And the very thought of God's sovereignty is lunacy to many in our culture. And yet God would have us look to him as the author and the finisher of our faith. And that we may come to him and pour out what's on our hearts and in our minds. Then there's something else, and number two on, your, on, the, on that outline is in verse 11. If you look at verse 11 again, and says she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto me a, a, thine handmaid a, a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. That's kind of like an underscoring of I mean it, Lord. And so here we have, and it says in verse 11, Hannah made a promise to God. It's that simple. She made a vow before Almighty God. Do not make a vow. Do not promise God anything unless you are willing to come through. It's dangerous. The consequences are great. God hears his children. He sees everything. He knows what's going on, even in the agony of just our lips moving. 
In fact, God has provided the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The Word of God tells us that when we don't even know what to say, we are just in such a position, God, the Holy Spirit, begins to move toward the very throne of God and bring before Almighty God the very thing that our heart needs to pour out before our Lord. So she did what was right. She promised the Lord. And I say that not because it's just an automatic thing. We just make promises. But in her heart of hearts, this woman was saying, Oh, God, meet me. I am your handmaid. But, oh, Father, I need a baby boy. And Lord, that will be your child anyway. You know, the meaning, oftentimes we have times when we bring our children, our babies, or our young children to the Lord in dedication. And that is a a parent doing what Hannah did, coming before the Lord and saying, Father, I devote this child to you. He is yours. She is yours. All the days of her life. That's where we get the root of this thinking of our, our giving over our children to the Lord. And so we have Hannah promising the Lord. Now, we make a lot of promises to God. And I believe that in the lives of many Christians today, because we have let go of that promise or tried to hide it under something or get rid of it completely in our lives, God is displeased with us and his blessing is hindered in our daily walk. Be careful what you say to the Lord. So that's the second. I... um, I believe when you look at this whole thing, you, you look at not only the Nazarite vow, but it's the idea of dedicating him fully to the Lord's service. And uh, when she did that, she actually voluntarily gave up her rights and her expectations as that little baby's mother. You say, how can that happen? That is cruelty. It didn't mean she didn't love him. It didn't mean that she didn't meet his needs. But she was giving him over to the Lord, devoting him to the Lord. We do that with our children, don't we? If you haven't done it, I don't care if they're 50 or 60 years old, do it. Dedicate your children to the Lord. In many ways, that means get your hands off every detail of their life. It means letting the Lord do his work in their lives. So we have this woman who promises the Lord. Hannah says at one time to the priest out of the out of the, the, the abundance of my complaint, that's in verse 16 that we looked at. 
out of the abundance of my complaint. She obeyed the Lord. She did what the Lord desired. She wanted to wait before the Lord for his promise to her. The, the amazing thing was the blessing that comes in her talking with this priest. And uh, the, the thing that I want us to see is that there is a marvelous, a marvelous change in this woman. And here when she has this discussion with Eli, and Eli just says, the Lord bless you, and he, he gives her this blessing in her life, and he says, the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. It says, then she went her way. She sure did appreciate Eli's message to her. And she took his words as the very promise of God. That God would meet her needs. And meet her. And remove from her. What she felt was the worst thing possible in life. And she says in verse 18. Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. And the words in this. So she went away. And I love this part where it says she did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. That meant the sadness that was so uh, open was gone. And it had been replaced by that marvelous hope that God gives. Verse 18. She goes her way. And I believe that it was at that point that she made a turn in her whole life. And by faith she began to wait upon the Lord. By faith she began to uh, uh, just commune with the Lord in, this, in this, this new height of knowing that he desired to bless her and meet her. And so we have in verse 18, Hannah put her faith, this is number three in the outline, Hannah put her faith in God's promise and trusted in God's faithful character. That whole idea of faithful character, we look at God and we see him as faithful and we say, great is thy faithfulness. That's how we opened the service this morning. Lord unto me, you're faithful, you're faithful. And because of her trust in her Lord, she walked in that marvelous hope of the faithfulness of God and it transformed her life. And she put her faith in God's promise and trusted in God's faithful character. Are you aware of the many promises that God has given to you as a believer today? Are you taking time to seek out and to mine the depths of the treasures of God because it's all based on his faithful character. Not on my ability, not even on my faith because it wavers, but rather on the faithfulness of God's character. Now we skip, we move on. 
And she goes on, and um, she, her face was no longer sad. She had uh, uh, been willing to demonstrate great faith in a woman who, in reality, sees nothing visible in her in, in changing but the very word of God. And she accepted Eli's blessing as his representative of God and a promise from the Lord. You know what? She received an answer from the Lord. She trusted in his character, the character of Almighty God. It's a marvelous thing, but later on in um, verses 27 and 28, just look there quickly. That's beyond what we read. But I want the last part of this, 27 and 28. For this child I prayed... And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. That's the faithfulness of God. If you go back to that outline, include the last, the, the 28th verse, which is, Therefore also I have lent him. That's a lousy translation. I'm sorry. That's not a good translation of that Hebrew word. Better would be, I have dedicated him. I have presented him. To the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent, given, dedicated, presented to the Lord. So, number four is Hannah, devoted. You might want that D word, devoted, or another D word is dedicated. Either one, take your pick. Dedicated her child to the Lord's service completely with no holes. God meets people of faith. And once Hannah had put her faith in God's promise, she displayed no, no fear, no sadness, no more grief. But rather her face became radiant no longer sad, and she is trusting in God as never before. And she devotes her child completely to the Lord's service. Wow. What a mother. What a marvelous example we have of a godly woman. And then... This is just added in way of closing. Hannah's song comes next, and it's a marvelous song. And her heart rejoices in the Lord. She says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn or my strength, my power is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged. You know what that means? It means she had such a brilliant smile on her face. You know, when you smile, you kind of... Double the width of your mouth. I believe that's what it means. Her mouth was enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. In other words, her enemies could say anything they wanted about her condition. And yet she could smile because God is in control. And he will do what is right. <clears throat> Just want you to remember this in verse 19. 
the word says that each year she would go up and she would take things and prepare for her little boy. And she made a little tunic that the priest would wear for him every year and take that to him. And he served the Lord with the blessing of his mother. She loved him. She cared for him. What a lesson for us. It's a great lesson for Christian mothers, I believe, to understand Hannah and the dilemma of her life and yet to become that kind of supporting, encouraging mother of these, this child. And for us in this day and age, for us as parents, not just simply mothers, but dads as well, that we would devote our children to the Lord and that we would encourage them and support them to serve the Lord faithfully all the days of their lives. That was a faithful encouraging mother. We have a lot to learn from her, don't we? Oh, that the Lord would teach us, not only as mothers, but as fathers, that he has given to us the blessings of having children. Because he is going to, in turn, bless us through their lives. Give them to the Lord. Give them early on to the Lord. Encourage them. Build them up in their faith. Give them every opportunity to walk with God and to make wise decisions. The first decision being to come by humble faith as a sinner before Almighty God and to receive by God's grace forgiveness of sins and everlasting life.